welcome back to the Mad About Movies VIP Club. Now here's one of your hosts, Kent, Brian, or Richard. Welcome main feed, ma'am fam, to the Mad About Movies VIP Cafe Lounge Cafetorium. <laughs> Day spa. <laughs> We had to, we had to I change told you guys it would be it would be worth expanding this place into a warehouse, you know, to let all the people in. <laughs> it's a gymatorium. It's a gymnasium auditorium <laughs> right. that we're operating in Cafeteria. tonight. Cafeteria, yeah. the VIP. But this is a rare, a rare peek behind the curtain. You're, you're behind the velvet rope, I should say, in the Mad About Movies VIP club for the main main feed man. Uh, fam, the regular listener. That uh, I like doesn't to call them the Mam Extended Fam. They're not Mam Nuclear Fam. <laughs> the times that we have, it's pretty much a brotherhood and a sisterhood yeah. and a family. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you've learned anything on the show, it's you never turn your back on family, even when they do. Right. So um, that's the that's the times we have. We we have a lot of stuff going on in there. A lot of content coming out. Um, our talk sport exclusive interviews every week are posted on there and, uh, we got a lot of throwbacks. So this is a, a, a peek behind the AMA slash throwback curtain. And, uh, the, we do these multiple times a week, multiple times a month. And really what this is, um, I guess serving as is a teaser really while we're all here is just to tease the Harry Potter episode that we've got coming out later (laughs) in the VIP club. So the VIPs we're kicking off our Harry Potter retrospective that we've been teasing for six years, literally. (laughs) And, uh, that is happening. Kent. I have watched Harry Potter and the philosopher's stone for the first time all the way through. And Brian and Richard, I've seen it 900 times mm-hmm. and that's way more than than me having never seen it um but uh we're going to discuss it and it's going to be good times and so that will be posted this week in the vip for those people so if you want to learn more about how to become a member of that uh madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash vip it's about a dollar a week for all that content and uh, i say it's worth it i say it's worth uh a dollar a week but uh the main feed will be free forever so hey Everybody wins, right? So, tonight, one of the most requested movies probably ever in the history of the show is The Social Network. Maybe, if not the most requested, most tweeted at, hey, did you guys do an episode on this? Or are you going to do an episode on this? Or what do you guys think of this? Um, Is The Social Network. So that'll be the movie of the week throwback edition in honor of 10 years around, roundabouts, 10 years. (laughs) Sure. If it's the fall. If it's the fall. Um, it's nine years. Right. That's it's fine. Yeah, and we're gonna do a little AMA session right here. So what we do yeah. is every month we like to ask and poll the uh, the VIPs for questions that they want to ask. Anything on the top of their head about life? You know, if they want advice on on social studies homework or whatever, you know, we're willing to give that. But um, we like it's to file these answers. questions. Yeah, not, we, we don't guarantee the accuracy of any of our responses. We're just going to give them. That's all. <laughs> yeah. we, that's what right. we're what we're here for. Basically, Wikipedia, the podcast. No one knows <laughs> if it's real or not. Right, but it's yeah. out there. And um, we so we ask we we ask for questions, and then every month we record an episode answering those questions, however crazy they may be. AKA, ask us anything you want. So we're going to take a few of those questions tonight. 
and uh, tease a little bit of that. So we've got three questions there. I guess we could start there. Ryan, do you have the questions yeah. pulled up? I had them pulled up on my phone, sure. which is not on my uh, person right now, but mm. if you have well, it. Well, it's a Motorola Razor. You know? Yeah. It's hard to keep keep it, you know, you don't want to steal it. You got to keep it in a vault at all times. Still. Yeah, so I've got our list from last month. So these are some of the leftovers that we didn't get uh, time to answer on that said AMA. Uh, So I'm going to give you – I got three questions here. I'm going to give you two that are movie-related and one that is show-related. Okay, we'll do that. We'll go that way. Uh, The first question comes from our friend Ben. What movie has fallen in your eyes the most since you started doing the podcast? What over the last oh, six years plus at this point, what movie have we seen during that time that uh, maybe we started out high or lukewarm on and now have uh, have come down on and, and no longer appreciate it all? Any wow. uh, any thoughts there? I've got one loaded if I need to. I've got one loaded too. Go, Arby. Yeah. Uh mine was pretty quick. Uh that I think we were all really excited to see uh Jurassic Park. Back mm. in the world in Jurassic World, and then mm-hmm. so it was like so exciting. And then it's not like we gave it rave reviews, but we were like kind of like, yeah, that was fun. And then immediately after like rewatching it, not I don't know if I gave, you it, gave it, it an okay. I, I was I, I thought I, you I thought I was gave it pretty rave. harsh on it. I don't, if I remember, I don't know. Maybe I liked it. I don't know. We were all pretty nice about it at the beginning. Probably too then, nice. That's probably true. Yeah, and then within weeks and months, we we're like, that wasn't good, was it? It's kind of like <laughs> Man we of Steel is one. To see dinosaurs. Too. Yeah, that's not the one I was going to say, but Man of Steel's one. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that one's mine. That's that's the that trailer's so great. And then we saw the movie, and I was like, it's like comparing this to the other Superman movies. It's probably better, Mm -hmm. but does that mean it's good? You know, like it was one of those. When I rewatched it before Batman v Superman, I was like, no, I actually really dislike this movie, and have grown to uh, to really, really dislike it. Again, the weirdest part, the best part of that movie, are the really weird Krypton stuff with Russell Crowe, which would you would think be the hardest to pull off. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. somehow, because Russell Crowe's awesome, those are at least watchable. And then the rest, nosedive. Mm -hmm. Not great. Mine would probably be The Last Jedi, to be honest. Mm. I think I sour on it every time I see it or or think about it uh, even more. I was probably the most high on it when we did our review, to be honest. And I think it's just a gradual kind of sliding down. I'm still, I don't know. I have I have prequel-type thoughts toward it at this point, wow. being where it's like two entertaining scenes surrounded by a bunch of crap that I don't care about. Um and that's kind of what the prequels were to me. It's like, oh, pod racing was cool. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, lightsaber fight with Darth Maul, but everything else, I really don't care. For me, it's the opposite. You it's know? like the prequels are like, oh, some really cool galactic legislation, and then like some boring <laughs> racism. Oh, more of the tax code, please. Get to that. Jeez. <laughs> well, these movies are for kids, obviously, which George Lucas <laughs> likes to say all the time. I mean, yeah. We. Everybody wants, you know, tariffs talks with your your kids. (laughs) No, absolutely. You know, kids, I know I did. I mean, it's just like, how do you, you know, what forms a majority? It's like the Dr. Seuss book, A Tariff a Sheriff, wasn't it? That the book? (laughs) I don't know. You can, there's, (laughs) there is um, a lot to be probably concerned about with Star Wars, but um, I would say the, I don't know, the, the milk scene, there's just a lot. A lot of flashbacks in my mind when I think about the Last Jedi, so that pro- it probably soured on that probably more. I could if I could change my grade, which I can't, I probably would, but I can't. So that's kind of it's kind of <laughs> what you're stuck with, you know. It's like in chess, you know. Once you make your move, you can't take it back. 
That's it. That's the move. So I'm more of a checkers guy, yeah. but I understand. Well, we'll uh, talk about that in our Harry analogy. Potter episode. Um, <laughs> a lot of chess. Okay. Talk. All right. Here's a show question for you fellas. And then we'll end on a, we'll end on a movie related question that segues into our review. How about that? Cause I'm a professional Perfect. radio man at this point. Yeah. Uh, who, let's see our, uh, our show related question. This comes from Samantha. Who is your dream podcast guest and why? Richard Kind. <laughs> Wait. Did I say that too hard? That too? <laughs> Take a breath, buddy. Let's go and go Richard Karn from Home Improvement. Strong. It's really oddly Anyone similar to but your Richard answer. Barton is usually. Yeah. But. yeah. Richard Kind. Oh, man, that's a good one. <laughs> I was trying to think of Documentary now. Yeah, yeah, that's why it was in my head. Yeah. It's documentary now. Oh, man. Dream podcast guest. Hmm. 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 I don't know, Brian. Do you have one? You've been privy to this info longer. Uh, probably Dirk. I just mm. want to talk about like now you see me three with with Dirk. That'd be I'd that'd be a little a Chris lot. Farley showish. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine would probably yeah. be like I don't know somebody who I could just ask questions to for like three hours. Probably like Lauren Michaels or somebody like that. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Just somebody that, you know, somebody like Conan O'Brien or somebody in late, like Letterman, one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I yeah, just Letterman's ask him about a ton of different celebrities and stories. And uh, I think that would be probably maybe Letterman or Lorne Michaels would probably be my two. Mm. What about you? My dream podcast guest for Rich, for uh, Kent exclusively is all the Doctor Who's. I want to see how many of them. <laughs> how many of them reject me and yell at me for trying to interview them when they agreed to interview? Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere the audio exists to that. Yeah. It's like 2015, I think. It was so odd. I'm so mad I missed that. (laughs) It was so odd. It it went from like, hey, do you mind if we get an interview with you real quick? Yeah, no problem. So what's it like being here at Comic-Con? Why don't you get out of my face? Like, it was that. It was like, what? How did this turn so fast? He was so angry. Uh, it was good. And I just sat there kind of grinning. Sylvester McCoy, brought nothing the to the table whatsoever. And just was like very uncomfortable as I am want to be. Yes. And Brian hasn't w- watched the Hobbit since. And he cried. <laughs> because immediately, of that exclusively. Immediately burned all his Radagast action figures <laughs> after that. Uh, um, custom, that's probably mine. What, what's your dream guest, Richard? Wow. Um, I'm trying to think of someone that I would be really in- – I'm such a researcher. I'm trying to think of someone that I'm, like, interested in, but I haven't done all the research on, right? Um, Which is gosh. nobody because you're so educated that you know yeah. no, I'm not so much. It's hard all, to- but I am a big – I'm a big – I'll go de- – I'll deep dive on things on people for mm. weeks. You just play the IMDb game with them if you – Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then be like, you're kind of like a Dave Cowan. Um, <laughs> Tony Kornheiser. I don't know. Shots fired. Yeah, Kornheiser would be good. I think. Yeah, that's probably the most Richard answer. Kornheiser mm. would be because I think he'd love us. That's that's yeah. He can talk key. movies too. Yeah, he's really. I think he's best when he talks about not sports. I think his movie and like political takes are the are his. James best Carvel thing. would be a good guest too. Carville would be strong, but I don't think anyone would understand it. <laughs> but the best thing about Carville is you can just talk gambling with him, which is oh, I like anyone that can talk gambling. Um, hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is tough. Vincent, you're, I'm trying to think of a really funny answer. Uh, <laughs> Chris uh, Georgia O'Keefe. 
Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia, Georgia O'Keeffe. Okay. Photographer of the American Southwest. <laughs> I just got, I got a lot of... Who's the lady, the Ann Geds, that does the babies? The baby <laughs> and Geddes. Yeah, yeah, her. That's it. That final answer, her. Ann Geddes. So uh, at what point did you d- decide to... Uh, uh, pursue this incredibly creepy I just, job. <laughs> yeah, I would just get people like that, and then like somehow like swear them under oath, and then just be like, okay, seriously, how much money do you have? I want to know to the cent, right? How much yeah. photographing babies dressed like plants has netted you over forty years? I'm looking for Ann Getty's net worth, and it's going to be in the in the tens of millions. I can guarantee you. Let's look. CelebrityNetWorth.com <laughs> Totally verified source. Totally a legitimate source, I'm assuming. Man, um, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a number it here. It says her net worth is under review. Oh. Uh, I'm, oh. Seeing, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing 85 mil. Yeah, I was, that's what I was going to say. It's tens of mils. Man. She sold more that's than a... 18 books and 13 million calendars. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, that's where the real money is. The calendar, the calendar. Who game. buys the books? Who's like sitting there reading a book? <laughs> we should make babies. a ma'am calendar. Maybe we could become. I mean, we could probably split eighty-five mil. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I mean, yeah. I've got a pretty substantial booger sugar habit. We should but, honestly do a ma'am and Getty's calendar, where we're all like in flower pots with like <laughs> oh sunflowers on our heads. And that'd be a great. That'd be a that great bit. Be, and we're like in giant will, hands sleeping in giant if hands. We can get. <laughs> a thousand of you to to tweet, email, whatever, and pledge that you will yeah, buy it. You got to pay Let's for set this. it at yeah. twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. <laughs> if we can say a thousand of you will buy a Ma'am and Getty's, that's twenty grand. Yeah, we'll do that. Right. You know what? And we'll we'll fill the year with movie release dates that you need to know throughout the year and yeah. other fun dates. It's, it's not just idea. us. This is a movie uh, mm. calendar that you need to know. And hey, you know it's us. Laying in a flower pot, or us, um, <laughs> wrapped in lettuce, wrapped in lettuce, and looking like a uh, fig Newton or something, you know. Fully nude, though. I think that that can't. We can't leave that unsaid. We will be other than plants, fully nude. Right. We're trying to sell. Oh, of course, fully, calories. fully nude, like the day we were born, basically. Uh, okay, that that, those are good ones. Great. Is that one more question, Brian? A thousand of you. It just takes a thousand, thousand listeners. Right. Maybe we should frame it the other way that we are going to put this calendar out unless Some of we these get a thousand of photographs are just extremely disturbing oh, on a you're, dude, you'd messed up your Google search big time. You're in trouble now. You're on a watch list. These babies sure. inside of a seashell. <laughs> this one baby's inside a flower pot. I think I I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You go ahead, Brian. It's weird. Don't I don't get it. I don't get it. So anyway, okay. final answer and get us. <laughs> Dream podcast guess. I love it. Okay. Final question. And again, this will kind of segue into our review for the night. Comes from Rye. Uh he says with this being the final year of the 2010s, have you given any thought to your favorite movies of the decade? And can we can he request a top ten style podcast for this subject later in the year? Yeah, we're gonna so do we, that, right? Yeah, that may be our thing. We we have our five hundredth episode is coming up in April, I think. And so we we will be looking for uh 
for themes for that. We like to do big, big list episodes on those big anniversary shows. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll that may be, that might be one that's, that's high up in, in terms of our, uh, what we might, might think about doing. So either of you guys have any replies to that? Any, any responses for yeah, a couple I off know, the top of your head? I know what my one and two are. Okay. And one of them we're reviewing tonight. Mm, nice. Nice. Can't you got any thoughts there? And Geds. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's my answer. Final answer. She's doing the creature design on the new Star Wars. I don't know if I told you guys that. <laughs> it's very off-putting. Every- <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great bit. Just produce a huge... This is why someone needs to give me billions of dollars. I would make a sci-fi epic that's super serious and all that, but then... Uh, Every creature design is just a baby in a stupid costume. <laughs> some of these images, I'm sending some of these images to these guys. And they're like, it, these these parents should be arrested for their having their kids <laughs> do this. I'm so excited because she's Australian, and so many podcast listeners are Australian. And I'm oh, so I love excited. Australia. The, the, I would move to Australia. I don't. I don't care for them. It's a prison oh, colony. I, lo- I they love know what Australia. they do. <laughs> but yeah, Richard Barton does not care for. Not who said that. Um, but, what was the question, uh, Brian? Sorry. Yeah, I'm excited. Favorite, basically, favorite movies of the decade. Decades coming to an end here. We're oh, talking about one of the best movies of the decade for sure tonight. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, oh, any, anything spring one. to mind as a as yeah. a best movie of the decade. Um, it, I always think of Inception as one. Just since mm. 2010, I think that was 2011 uh, when that one came out. Um, Jupiter Ascending 2010 on the dot Jupiter Ascending uh, Billy Lynn's Long Half Time <laughs> Walk and The Obviously. Predator yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah no question can you have sequels in it or does it have to be the original in the because now you see yeah. me too but yeah <laughs> uh, yeah we'll have we'll do this we're gonna we'll definitely we'll either do it for the 500th episode or at the end of the year or something sure. because god knows there's not enough to do at the end of the year with this yeah. this <laughs> darn show but yeah the 500th ep in april that could be a fun we might miss a few things this year uh because i think there's a new Medea. i don't know but uh <laughs> other than that you know we can at least do a yeah i think that might be a fun 500th ep. best movies in the 2010s or we can do a prequel and do the did we do 2000 to 2009 have we done that no maybe we no, do that aren't any maybe it's all triple x movies mm-hmm. <laughs> like vin diesel and triple x oh sorry triple x movies uh, yeah well, gotcha. that's a different podcast oh, that's my mistake yeah. very confusing mm. my mistake misleading even one uh i <laughs> yeah. probably i don't know man probably la la land i don't know i like okay. la la land a lot um birdman a lot yeah, I don't know. Boyhood. Boyhood. Yeah. Like the big, the big ones we've talked about on the show probably come to mind. Um, but yeah, that would be a fun episode. I would have to go back and probably look, yeah. look at multiple. The master. The key there would be defining favorite versus best. That would be something we'd have to figure Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Well, yeah. so, for me, and I don't mean to brag, that's the same thing. Yeah, so. you only like 10 movies at a time. Just <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, no, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. I love. I like those those episodes. And uh, I think the three of us have, you know, a lot of times in a year, especially these days, gosh, there's only so many good movies. So you end up having kind of similar lists. But I think if you can spread it across 10 years, 
the, re- mm-hmm. the I think our list would be really disparate and and interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Inception was 2010, not 2011, yeah. but still applies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably, probably would be those. But yeah, to tease and maybe a future episode, we'll do that for sure. That's a good one. Thank you for the questions, VIPs. And uh, with that, we'll transition into social network talk. I'm a little intoxicated. I'm not going to lie. So what if it's not even 10 p.m. and it's a Tuesday night? Really? The Kirkland Facebook is open on my desktop, and some of these people have pretty horrendous Facebook pics. Oh, no. Billy Olson's sitting here and had the idea of putting some of the pictures next to pictures of farm animals and have people vote on who's hotter. Good call, Mr. Olson. I'm not going to do the farm animals, but I like the idea of comparing two people together. It gives the whole thing a very Turing feel, since people's ratings of the pictures will be more implicit than, say, choosing a number to represent each person's hotness like they do on HotOrNot.com. The first thing we're going to need is a lot of pictures. Unfortunately, Harvard doesn't keep a public centralized Facebook, so I'm going to have to get all the images from the individual houses that people are in. Let the hacking begin. This is definitely a throwback we've meant to talk about for a long time. And, um probably well overdue uh, we probably should have started the podcast with uh with this talk uh, considering the amount of reviews we get 500 before we get to this one it's pretty it's pretty shocking a lot of people say this should have been best picture in fact uh that'll probably be how we how we wrap up uh the discussion tonight is talking about whether it probably should have in retrospect be um considered the best picture of that year but uh, what we like to do here is talk about how these movies hold up and kind of our first experiences with them and, you know, if we've kept up with them over time and things like that. So let's start things with kind of the background story. Um, let's start with Richard. Richard, where did you first arrive at the social network? And I'll start yeah. with asking you, did you read the book, The Accidental Billionaires, prior yeah. to this and then be really stoked was- on the total Richard Barden way of reading it <laughs> and then hearing about it and then... Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. I recent I know I read the I, I read the book. Yeah. Shortly either before or after the movie. And then I, I actually just read the book again uh two weeks ago. I was moving and I was out of audibles and so I had this like in my account from ten years ago. And I just had recently listened to the Twitter book and so I was like, Oh, I'll read I'll listen to Accidental Billionaires while I'm moving boxes and kinda of, so I, I'm it's fresh in my brain the book is I don't remember if I read it before or after the movie. I'm sorry. It's been a long time. I think before, though. I think before. But I remember hearing about this uh, in production, like David Fincher's doing a Facebook movie and being like, oh, God. Because I didn't know it was like about the history, like, you know, a, a business narrative. I thought it was about kind of like the bad, um, oh, gosh, now I'm, I'm blanking. What's uh, the Jason Reitman movie? Like where it's just people clicking and the like social media movie he made. I thought it was something like Man, that. Women and children. Yes. I thought it was like that. I didn't realize, you know what the, exp- trying to capture the experience of being on a social network, not really about the origin of the business of Facebook. So, and then once I saw the uh, trailers for it and then saw it was Sorkin, I didn't, you know, for some reason I was kind of out of the loop on it until probably two months before it came out. I was like, Oh yeah, I definitely want to see that. Uh, but again, kind of like, I want to see it cool it'll be all right and then seeing it and being like oh that's the best movie i've seen in 10 years and continues to be one of my favorite movies ever and i've 
it's also on some weird movie channel I get with uh, DirecTV now. So it's on always at like, if I, every time I'm working from home the last year and a half at like 1048 in the morning, it starts. And I'm always like, yep, <laughs> I'm in for two and a half hours. Count me in. So I've seen this movie uh, of all the, you know, there's movies I've seen more than this, but there's no movie I've seen more than this that came out after I was 15. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've probably seen this movie 22 times or something, which is crazy for for now because I don't see anything multiple times. So this is one of my favorite movies ever and certainly one of my favorite movies of the decade. I think it's a complete masterpiece. It's the best of everyone involved in it. It's like the best use of Sorkin. It's the best use of Fincher. It's the best use of Jesse Eisenberg. It's just everyone peaking. It's really smartly plotted. It captures... It, it's like... The the thing Fincher brings to it is this is a movie about, you know, uh, Ivy League nerds creating a business, but it has this like gothic feel to it for no reason that totally mm-hmm. works. I mean, you think of those shots of the Winklevi on the river and the way they use Johns Hopkins. I mean, it takes place at Harvard, but that's Johns Hopkins uh, University, that kind of gothic architecture. Um, the just the the aesthetic of it. It's like Fincher just doing Fincher things, and it doesn't really apply to this at all. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it any other way. It's really, really beautiful. And then it's actually like I always think it's the best use of Sorkin because it's just a obviously he's going to drum things up and Sorkinize the dialogue and things. But these people are so smart that it's like believable coming out of their mouth that they're this witty and this clever and everything because they created the biggest media entity ever. So they're probably pretty smart. Um, so anyway, uh, that's my thoughts on it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this film and I think it's, it definitely should have been best picture for that year. I was outraged at the time and I'm 10 times more outraged now. And as we mentioned earlier in the AMA, when we talk about the best movies of the decade, this will be very high on my list. I think it's, it not only is it great, but it, I always think it's, it's even a bonus score when you can really be about the decade. And obviously this movie takes place in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, but Facebook and social media really came to fruition. And after this movie, I'd love a sequel on what these monoliths sort of became, even though it may ruin this one. Uh, So it's like kind of about the time. And so, and it means something about this era. And I always think that gets bonus points for it. So anyway, enough about me. I'm, I'm really interested in what you guys think, but obviously I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan. Yeah. Uh, remember seeing the trailer for this and I, I knew that it was coming. I was pumped for Sorkin to uh, really take on film for the first time in a while. I think up to this, the lead up to this had been, you know, he did obviously few good men and American president and that stuff prior to sports night and West wing and uh, studio 60. And then he had uh, Charlie Wilson's war, which I think is actually fairly underrated for mm. what it is. Yeah. Um, super and then this, but this, this had, I remember feeling like this had stakes and like some real weight to it. Like there was, I, I'm with you, Richard. Like there was a part of me that was like, I don't, I don't really need a movie about Facebook. I'm on Facebook. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm part of this. It doesn't really, I don't know that we need to be, uh, but I didn't know all the background. I certainly hadn't read the book beforehand, but it just, it did feel like from pretty much the inception of this movie, that this was going to be something that, that had, uh, that had weight that mattered. And, uh, and with Fincher, I think Sorkin and Fincher together is just an incredible combination. Uh, and yes, they both cover yeah, what the other absolutely. one does. Absolutely. So well. It's it's a that's a great way to put it. They it kind of um 
Fincher's one of the, you know, whatever, five best directors going, and Sorkin's one of the, whatever, five best writers going. But they both have flaws in their game, and they both um do things they're i mean it's not like they're they're you know batting a thousand they 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 both have screw-ups here and there and this is kind of uh they they kind of check both of each other's worst impulses and and drown them out with their own best impulses you know it's just an incredible combination it works so well on screen um i don't think anyone has ever or will ever maybe match Sorkin's dialogue pace with the pacing on screen, and then you add the score, which is the you know the best score of the of oh, the decade. Gosh, um, yeah. In there, and it, it it all it is a perfect combination, all three of those parts. Um, and yeah, I, I remember I remember thinking, man, this is this could be really great. And then that trailer is one of the greatest trailers ever. Mm-hmm. The uh, with the, yep. the choir singing "Creep" and. The digital, you know, the uh, what do we call the the picture thing? You know, what I'm talking about like the pixelated thing that that pans yep. out, and it's one. I don't know what you call yep. that because I'm not creative, but um, but it's that's no, such either. a cool scene, and that's you know of however many years we've been doing this, and however many years I've been writing about movies and stuff before that, it all starts to blend together after a while, and you really only. In terms of like the the trailers, in terms of the the uh, feeling going in before you'd seen the movie, and all, the movies still stick with me fine, but the the kind of preamble stuff, the prologue, doesn't as much. It's it's only the the real real highs and the real real lows. And this is, uh, you know, probably when I'm when I'm on my deathbed and can't remember my son's name, I'll be able to remember that trailer and the mm-hmm. sense that it brought to it. So I was very pumped for the movie. And that says so much about your life <laughs> right. priorities. And I, right. Cooper I appreciate stands. that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> Movies come first, son. But no, it, it's a, it's just, it was, it felt like, it felt like a real moment. And I'm at least at this, what, nine years ago. So I was 30, no, 27, something like that. Still, even for me this day, because I love blockbusters, the blockbuster movies are the ones that feel like the moments for me in a year. It's I'm, I can't wait for Star Wars. I can't wait for whatever the uh, the end of the Avengers thing, you know, things like that. But this one months out felt like, gosh, that's going to be a thing that is going to be like a cultural touch point that's going to matter. And I think it did. It still has not still maybe more relevance today than it did when it came out nine years ago. It's just, just an incredible, it's an incredible film and I don't love Fincher. I'm not, you know, I'm a Spielberg guy over, over Fincher and we've talked about that a, a million times, but, um, but this is, it's just the, it's the, the peak of what he's able to do. I've probably seen this three or four times um, because I, I don't tend to rewatch this kind of movie consistently. So I watched it last night for the first time in, at least three years, maybe longer, and just remain completely blown away by um, really every every shot in the movie. One of the things, and, and I'll and yeah. I'll I'll hand it over to you, Kent, in a second. But one of the things that jumped out to me when I'm looking on the, the research on this movie and kind of digging through the you know the backstory stuff is we we know the obviously the the, the Sorkin pace is really really fast and the dialogue is just flowing left and right. And I talked about how you know Fincher and the score work with that beautifully but the script for this it's one of the best scripts ever or certainly of this this you know whatever millennium but um 
it's 178 pages and the movie's only two hours long. And so wow. there is, you know, like kind of the general rule of thumb when you're th- saying, when you're looking at like the quality of a movie is you want to be able to look at that. You want to be able to look at it and say, there's no scene that's wasted. That's like the first benchmark that you're looking for in a, like a, you know, a master level, great film. And I don't know how you could possibly, there's no pot. It's scientifically <laughs> impossible to do a 178 page movie, a uh, script in a two hour movie and have there be one wasted scene. And I love that. I love that. Uh, the studio wanted to cut, told Sorkin cut 30 pages and Fincher said, no, we're not doing that. We're going to do this entire thing. Just move it fast. We're going to move fast the whole time. And it's gosh, you, that, that it's, you know, the first scene is great and it never drops the, the pacing or the, uh, the intensity that, that it has. And that's just, to me, that's such an uncommon virtue for a drama for what is, I mean, kind of honestly, what is essentially a, a biopic for all intents and purposes. It's just, it's an incredible feat. Yeah, that's, that reminds me of, I think one of the stories between Fincher and uh, Sorkin with this movie was Sorkin turned in the script to Fincher and Fincher like read it and was like, it's great, but it's way too long. You're going to have to cut it down. It's going to be like three hours. He's like, nope, it's going to be two hours. He's like, I promise you, like, look, it's going to be three hours. And so Aaron Sorkin like came into the office and sat there and read the entire script right in two hours <laughs> exactly how it would be paced in the movie and uh proved to, to prove to him that it could be done in two hours and that's pretty ama- amazing but um yeah he, he's such a hands-on screenwriter probably more than any in hollywood aside from you know the writer directors uh you know like the coen brothers or tarantino or somebody uh some of these people that you know the ryan johnson's that write their own stuff or direct their own stuff that they write um, and you know, a lot of the criticism towards Sorkin is, well, why doesn't he just direct if he's going to be this anal about everything and every detail. And, uh, one of the great things, and I will suggest to the listener, if you don't have this movie on Blu-ray, it's worth owning, uh, the supplements, uh, disc on this is so good. They really put the time in to put some really interesting behind the scenes documentary type stuff, uh, together. But, um, some of the initial table reads are so good between Fincher and Sorkin because Fincher has the um, cojones, I will say, to tell Sorkin, like, we're going to cut this line. We're going to do this. It doesn't sound good. This sounds too showy. This I don't like this, you know? And um, they're, they're just the perfect collaboration where – they know they're making each other better instead of getting offended all the time doing that. So that's a really interesting insight on that. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm totally move have moved my life to digital stuff, but I still own the physical one of that because it's so worth having and going back and watching that. And they have that's all the insight onto buy, the yeah. Trent Reznor stuff and all that is yeah. in there. And it's great. It's great insight. And there's a couple hours, I think worth of, uh, how has no one launched a, a platform to just t- tie in with these, uh, uh, all these produ- production studios that have all this content in the library on a server somewhere and say, Hey, for X amount of month, like Spotify, you have access to all the, the, the bonus material. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great, man. Just Let's like, launch it. Let's yeah, do it. I mean, yeah. Hey, 
proprietary. No one steal that idea. But like, yeah, yeah, all that content's out there. I mean, you could easily charge five bucks a month for it for movie nerds, and just you type in the movie, and there's all the extras. I don't know mm. why that doesn't exist. That would be. That should be. I would pay. I'm gonna write that down in the that. idea. But this book. is definitely one of the one of the ones worth owning the Blu-ray double disc set for this. Um, but all that to say, man, this is such a great movie. Uh, in so many ways, because it's such, it's, I guess, probably the the biggest fault of this movie is that it's about Facebook. <laughs> I think that's probably why it ended up not and not Zanga. No, I know. <laughs> no, We're, no. I mean, we've always been Team Zanga. No, you know what I mean. If this was about, I don't know, some program that they did that ended up hacking something that led to catching a terrorist or something, you know, uh, this would have been best picture with the beat, you know, just with, from a cinematic standpoint, this is everything you want a movie to be from an acting standpoint, from every, on almost every production level it can be. Um, I have theories on why I didn't. The biggest detriment to it is that most people don't take Facebook seriously while simultaneously spending half their lives literally on Facebook and so it's kind of a contradictory thought process there. But um, I, I was on the opposite impression of you, Brian, when you, when you said you that you saw the, I saw the trailer and I thought it was a great trailer. Um, I thought it was a very interesting sell. Um, I didn't expect it to be good. I don't know if anyone really expected a movie about Facebook. Like how could you do a movie about Facebook? That would be good is what my thought process was. And so when I went and saw it, I was just completely blown away about how well it worked and how interesting it was, despite it being about writing algorithms or just people talking. Because, um, you know, you read that David Fincher is doing a movie about Facebook and Fincher's definitely more of a flashy director. So you wonder what's he going to bring to that uh, movie about computers and or court uh, type scenes is um, not really something that he was doing at the time. And so I guess it is that marriage with, with Sorkin that makes it um, that, that really kind of brings Fincher down to earth, uh, so to speak. And I hadn't seen this side of Fincher before, and I'm glad I had, um, I guess Zodiac would be his next closest thing to this, but um, that's totally Gone Girl's really yep. good, by the way. Uh, like super, I, don't, I haven't think I've watched it since since we did our review. It's I probably not, need to go back and watch that one. Yeah, it's not as great as the other stuff, but like yeah. degree of difficulty wise, only this you're like, wow, that's a really good movie, and it's just like because of Fincher more than almost anything else. Exactly, and. His commitment to realism is great, like how he shot that opening scene in a real bar and had people talking in the bar and drinking and having real conversations. And and um, it all seems so natural, but at the same time, it's so meticulously calculated and rehearsed. That's what's so incredible about this is that, you know, the best movies you say don't feel like movies. It feels like almost like a documentary. This almost more than anything feels documentary like, but at the same time, it's so meticulously crafted. Every syllable is, is on the page. You know, that's, what's amazing about this. There's no improvisation at all or fly by the seat of your pants on, on the set and figure out the setups and the blocking. You know, uh, it was, it was, it's all, it's, let's just say Fincher and Sorkin are very, detail-oriented people <laughs> and this is a very detail-oriented movie but that's why it works but i i just thought 
how can you do a movie about Facebook? And we ended up getting one of the best movies, if not the best movie of the decade out of this. So that, that was kind of my thought. I was like, wow, I know I'm going to be talking about this movie in 10 years. That was my, I was completely like on cloud nine after seeing this, I, I was overseas and I snuck away to see it like by myself and in some foreign theater, you know, kind of situation, like sketchy probably. And just seeing it. And, it's just you and Paul Rubens. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I looked out for that. Trust me. I was not. Um, but I was just completely, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to think. I was yeah. like, wow, that was just way better than I ever expected. And it made me definitely think about what you can do with um, a, a movie about essentially anything can be good you know I, I i don't know it just totally changed my mindset on yeah on, it's great on i mean types the, of small scale movies that that can be uh these big scale successes yeah, and best picture so winners you know i thought this was the best pick should have been the best picture winner but totally we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later but they should do a decade oscars by the way i know everyone does the like <laughs> uh nerdy like you know we've talked about it too like the five-year oscars later but there mm. should be like a in 2020 they should be like we're doing and it would be funny because everyone would try to pad the early years of a decade because you wouldn't want the context and wouldn't want to release in 2019 it'd be funny <laughs> how everyone gamed it but man it'd be so fun to have like because like all think about yeah. every category would just be so stacked <laughs> kind of like the all decade and, team uh, for the nfl like that kind of thing yeah that'd be fun yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be uh it'd be really cool i think this would be certainly nominated but yeah, the yeah we didn't talk about the we'll talk about the Reznor soundtrack and, and Ross soundtrack. Um, the other thing I think Oscar wise why this didn't get the love it deserved is like it doesn't fit narratively a really a conventional. I mean, Zuck Mark's kind of the hero of it, but he's not mm-hmm. likable. And I think yeah. in the short term, it doesn't taught you know it doesn't follow like the greek rules of drama really really. A happy ending yeah right and no, so no Oscar voters vote on that kind of stuff subconsciously or not and i think that mm-hmm. that sort of open-ended um not a likable protagonist thing that makes it really great in my opinion mm-hmm. and really unique uh heard it with awards in my yeah opinion. that's my i also think it, it's not it's not acting centered at all like i think eisenberg is great in that role but you know unquestionably yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's, he's very good and all of the surrounding work is really really good but it's not um it's not like focused sure. on those performances and no i mean i i'm that way i tend to gravitate i mean it, this is a showpiece for writing and directing editing scores all that kind of stuff much more so than acting and 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 as somebody who does tend to lean towards what an actor or an actress is doing on screen i think that played a part in it as well it doesn't it's in in retrospect it's not showy and you love that in the moment i think a lot of people are kind of even as they say well you don't want to you know you don't want that super showy performance but you kind of do subconsciously you're kind of looking for that thing that tells you oh this is an oscar type movie if that makes sense i think a lot of voters fall for that kind mm-hmm. of no, you know, you look, like king speech is what won best picture that year and i i think for first one uh for, for actor i believe he did yeah, and he that's did. exactly what uh you kind of in the moment that's exactly the kind of movie you expect to pull those sure. those awards or that attention because it is so um acting heavy and and acting for, uh, forward you know 
Yeah, no, no, you're totally right. You're totally right. I think that's a really astute point. I think, yeah, I mean, this thing is, is so smart, but let's, well, I guess we've talked a lot about the filmmaker. We'll go back to the score, but sh- let's talk about Eisenberg in this because he's, we crap on him a lot because of Now You See Me, but gosh, is he great in this? And it's such a well written character um, play. He's like a, he's a great Sorkin actor, which is its own thing, but he really brings a lot of mischief and weight to the character, too. He doesn't just fast read the lines and, you know, Bradley Whitford his way through it. Nothing against Bradley Whitford. I just mean, there's more to it. It's more of a cinematic performance than than Sorkin TV characters of the past. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. this time around, it, that first scene, he's talking, you know, super talking fast and Sorkin-y and all that. And then the... Yeah, hundred oh takes gosh. by the way on that. And then scene. the you know kind of the uh, the monologue or the the voiceover while he's creating the the website and everything is the same way. M- a lot of the rest of it, um, he's moving at a much slower pace than everybody else on screen, and that I think that I mean that works. Obviously, that's on purpose. It's not like they just stumbled into that, but I think that that's done to, on a, on a lot of levels it makes you feel like oh he's different from the rest of them bec- and here's these like little these little notes and cues of of how you might pick up on what a different person he is compared to um Eduardo and and the Winklevi and his buddies in in his dorm room and all these sorts of things he's he's on a I mean, obviously, that's what they're trying to to get across is he's he's on a different level from all of these incredibly smart people, and that is exemplified in a number of ways. But one of them is the his pace compared to everyone else's pace. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good exposition in that scene that you don't really notice. Um, talking about the rowing crew, wanting to row a crew, uh, not getting the girl, getting the sixteen hundred on the SATs. Um, several things that you need to know these characters right away and you do and uh it sets everything up great i think army hammer is, is fantastic yeah, in this great. too um is, this is peak is army awesome. hammer as he peaked here and he's still living off this um <laughs> i would say and there's two of me andrew garfield and we'll talk a little bit about the the careers here of of the of the um mean the spider-man i only refer to him as spider-man yeah he's my um, spider-man andrew garfield's had I don't know. I after this movie, I probably would have bought the most stock in in Eisenberg, but Andrew Garfield would have been right out of that, uh, or right after that. I would say he's probably had technically a more successful career than Eisenberg post this. With the he's got a couple Oscar nominations or one. He got Hacksaw Ridge got nominated for that. Um, I don't know if he got an, had another one in there somewhere, but. Um, but yeah, I was looking at Eisenberg and I was thinking, what other, what else have now you see me that he has he done? And this fall, he's got Zombieland <laughs> Double Tap coming out, <laughs> so that'll be pretty. I'll put him back in relevancy, like, and then of course, now you see me, or now you three lives, me, I should say. Yeah, he like lives in Indianapolis and writes for the New Yorker and watches the NBA. Though I mean, he's a unique guy. Eisenberg? I don't think he really. Yeah, Eisenberg is is a really, uh, you know, he's weird. He doesn't, uh, he can do this kind of stuff. And then he doesn't mind being Lex Luthor. I mean, he's a really interesting, bizarre career to me. I don't know why. Yeah. That David Foster guy, Wallace for movie sure. a few years ago, he was really good in that. And that, that never got the love yeah, that, that it, I think he, it deserved. He got, I mean, I mean, I love David Foster Wallace. Obviously we've talked about the show and, and Siegel got a lot of pub for it cause he's playing the titular role, but 
uh, Jesse Eisenberg acted mm-hmm. circles around him in that. I mean, he and Siegel was really good. He he played the character fabulously, but but that's an Eisenberg role, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's great. I forgot he's not always J. Daniel Atlas. <laughs> I, <laughs> he's really strong with in the material, and he he has that thing of where he's always kind of the same. He has the kind of Clooney thing yeah. where it's always like. Jesse Eisenberg does Mark Zuckerberg or Jesse. I mean, it's always, he doesn't have a lot of range in a traditional sense, but he really inhabits characters in his own way. Yeah. He was great and super bad and was great. in <laughs> <Arrested> <laughs> development As George Michael. But, uh, I wonder how many people get them confused <laughs> with each other. Jesse, can I get a selfie? Jesse, Michael, they say that all the time that they, they embrace it. It's funny. Um, anyway, back to social network talk. Um, yeah, man, I would say probably what most impressed me was the photography of this. I think it's beautifully shot, uh, digitally. And Fincher is one of the best subtle CGI guys out there too. And a lot of good subtle CG that you don't really notice with one of them being army hammer being pasted onto that uh, Ralph Lauren yeah. model guy. Uh, how, man, how much would that suck <laughs> <laughs> to get cast in that movie and then be like, by the way, uh, army hammer's face is going to be over <laughs> your face the whole time. I didn't tell him to like, you're 90% through with the movie. <laughs> like you can, you can quit now. I mean, you, you, you can, but you're not going to be in the movie anyway. So it's like, might as well stay, you know? Um, yeah, it's got to suck for that guy. But at the same time, he probably gets residuals <laughs> yeah. for the performance. And it's tough for Ralph Lauren models. Yeah. So you got to feel for him. Yeah, you got to feel for him. Um, what's favorite scene in this? This is chock full of, of I would say, iconic scenes, uh, memorable scenes. Probably the regatta sequence is my favorite when it comes to photography editing and the score and all come together uh i think that's a great sequence um some of the court stuff is really interesting too how it's got together the depositions and not to mention uh the scene where um eduardo smashes the laptop that's one of my favorite sequences as well what about you it's definitely a scene movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, I like I love the nightclub scene with uh with Zuck and Timberlake, Timberlake. Yeah, uh trying to mm-hmm. just that's a <laughs> I mean if you're looking for an example of like is David Fincher a good filmmaker, you know, that's where you use like, well, here's this incredible sequence where they're screaming the entire time, but you can hear them perfectly. And I know that the, the the music is added later, but you would never guess that by looking at everybody around them dancing and enjoying the music that's not there. And all this, it's just a, it's a really cool, and the dialogue between those two there, I think is, uh, I, yeah, the, the Victoria's Secret Sears and the whole, and all that. Yeah. his question about, well, do you ever go back and look at, you know, do you, did you think about that girl from high school that this whole story was built on and, and Timberlake just being like, no, of course not. Like I'm with a Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret model, but then that's part of the, the drive of that character, at least in terms of on screen. I don't know that, I know Zuckerberg has kind of gone out of his way and, and I get it to, to be like, that's not a very, it's not really indicative of who I am, blah, 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 blah. But as far as the on screen persona of that character, you know, him looking up, uh, Rudy Mar- Mara's character, what's her name? Uh, uh, Albright, 
um, afterward, you know, that, that, that all kind of ties in there, but that scene is just, is perfect through and through. Absolutely. Um, I don't know who I would give the MVP award to for this. I don't know if I'd give it to Sorkin, if I would give it to Eisenberg or if I would give it to Fincher. If you had yeah. to give it to one of the three, because they're yeah, all pulled tough. away. So I would, I don't know. Could somebody else have done? Let's, let's start with Eisenberg. Could somebody else yeah, have actually, done I think Zuckerberg Eisenberg is as like good? Al- almost the most irreplaceable in a weird way, even though the other two are much more huh. genius and, and incredible. Like, there is someone who could write 80% of this script, and there's someone who could direct this 80% as well. I don't know if there's anyone who's 80% as perfect for this part as Eisenberg. I don't know. It's weird. He's so just... the You, you make you know the, the term, the role they were born to play. It is in a weird way. Exactly. Wow. I, uh, man, the fact I, that I, we're even lumping him in with two, like, predominant geniuses of their respective <laughs> talents and uh time period is is obviously ridiculous it's not lost on me but uh it's it is weird how how he really is the glue of this thing i think and there's other great supporting roles like you said timberlake's yeah. really good in this i mean in that sean parker role especially when you read the book that's such a have you no, read the book I at haven't. all brian did you ever read it you should i mean it's a quick fun audible but and you'll picture <laughs> the movie the whole time which is funny but it's, uh, you know, that kind of desperation of that character slowly unveiled um, Sean Parker in this kind of really cool Timberlakean presence that he has. That's a word I invented, patented that in my uh, bonus content website. And then also the kind of like desperation and nerdiness and insecurity and kind of he's a little bit all show because, you know, this movie doesn't cover is Sean Parker was out of Facebook right, six months right. later after the end of this movie um, for that party at the end, you know, I mean, I guess it kind of covers this, but um, so there's, there's just, it's just, he's, that's, I don't know if that's in the script because Timberlake hasn't given a ton of other really nuanced performances. So maybe that's just really well written by Sorkin, but uh, he's, he's greatness and really encapsulates that mm-hmm. trying to get back mm-hmm. in the game world. So, so well, um and yeah i mean and that like you said brian that nightclub scene with him is great that victoria's secret story he i mean that's a and you know there's movies like this like mm-hmm. i said this is a movie unlike you i've seen a million times and it's like oh I'm yeah, almost to the yeah night definitely scene. well that, that so i remember just, that year it's one of it those felt like he was he had a real there was a there was a moment where you felt like he had a real chance at a, a uh supporting actor uh nomination and you kind of in hindsight, uh, you, you just, you know, obviously we just came off the Oscars, so we it's fresh on the mind, but you watch that scene and you think, oh, that's what they play right before, you know, yeah. they announce who, who won best supporting actor for the year. It's, it's, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it totally. is a, a sort of a, a little bit of a, a different, his performance is, is def- definitely more showy than anything else in the movie. And that may have actually hurt him as far yeah. as his cause for, for this movie, but totally. it's a great, it is a performance. showy performance. He's, he's great in that role. And you're right. We've never, we have not seen the like, uh, since then, except for trolls, obviously he's fantastic in trolls, but, uh, hmm. <laughs> he's got a feeling. <laughs> uh, you sound like you're, you sound like you're joking, but <laughs> right, right. I watch not, trolls right? every day. Um, and I break it down minute by minute on my trolls minute. 
podcast. He's <laughs> got that sunshine oh, well, got, in his pocket. I got I got a Good follow up one for you. If you like by the minute review podcasts, which we who, all do, who doesn't? Yeah, I've got one for you. <laughs> minute by minute trolls review coming at you. Oh well, all right. Um, Brenda Song and Rashida Jones also in this, and Rooney Mara, who we have mentioned a little bit earlier, um, have some of the greatest lines in, in the movie. And in, in history, I, I love uh, Brenda Song's line of, you're telling me the founder of Facebook doesn't know how to change his relationship status on Facebook? That's a great line. And um, what's the one that uh, that Rooney has of, uh, if, you're, you know, if, if girls don't like you, it won't be because you're a nerd. It'll mm-hmm. be because you're an mm-hmm. asshole. I love yeah. that yeah. line, too. Um, that's Yeah, uh, that's my favorite. What's your favorite line in this? This is a good circuit you get this is not something i like to do because like it gets in the movie nerddom but um what's your this is so favorite organism yeah what's your favorite line in this because i have mine but i'll you you go first can't i gotta i'm gonna try and find mine okay i already said one. mine just those those are my i, can't, those I are don't my remember two. the exact line but i love the <laughs> when they're doing the math thing or when when the lawyer in the the testimony is adding up the cost of facebook and he's like i'm checking your math here whatever mm-hmm. that perfect line is mm-hmm. it's just the way he delivers it so dismissively and mean is uh is hilarious i'll, I'll try and i'll look up the actual terminology on that yeah because it, no, like it was like one it was like one thousand plus two thousand equals three thousand and she was, he was like hold on let <laughs> yes. me check let me check yes. that okay you're right yeah it was like because it was the dumbest <laughs> math problem ever yeah it was great. i love I mean, there's so many in the deposition where Zuckerberg is so dismissive of everyone. But when he says, uh, if you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. That, like, just sums up his entire (laughs) legal argument so well. Like, yeah, if you guys had thought of this, you'd be billionaires. But you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, the the line the a guy who makes a nice chair doesn't owe money to right. everyone who has ever yes. built a chair. Yes, that's a great yes. I'm just checking your math on that. Yes, I got the same thing. It also kind of reminds me of MacGruber, so I like that as well. Yeah. It's kind of a same answer. I got there at the same yeah. time as you, maybe even a little before. So, sticks with me. And then, of course, to me, the most iconic like legal line, the the thing you wish you could give, and at some point you could dismiss someone so well. Is when he said that dumb attorney's like, Do you think I deserve your attention? And he's like, I had to swear an oath before we began the deposition, but I don't want to perjure myself, yeah. so I have legal options to say no. And he goes, So you don't think I deserve your attention? He goes, I think your clients want to sit on my shoulder I think if your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves tall, then they have the right to give it a try. <laughs> Just savage so response. Savage. I mean, that's like the most sorkin, mm-hmm. like brilliant you wish you had thought of that in a real life. You have the bare minimum of my attention. Do you have? Do I, did I adequately answer <laughs> right, your condescending right. question? Yeah. <laughs> God, that's perfect. good. Yep, it's perfect. So much, so much, uh, so mm. much to dissect. Um, all right, let's talk. I guess uh, about kind of the nonlinear structure of this thing, because it's a bold move to start this off with the court deposition. Right, we get that right off the top. That's a, a device where it's like, oh, so they said all this stuff kind of exposition wise there of you're suing for how much and you know it goes bad between Eduardo and Mark, but you don't know how. And I guess the movie is explaining how and it's explaining it very smartly through this deposition, which I found that just as a, I don't know, a device to move a movie along to be very smart. Because Sorkin doesn't always take the same approach with every movie either, right? It's not like he. 
I mean, his dialogue is definitely recognizable, mm-hmm. but you know, like this Jobs movie was just like three scenes in, um, in you know, backstage before a Mac conference, right? Uh, he has he definitely has different settings. He's it's not necessarily the same every time, and I think this is one of the one of the few times where he does explore that. But all that to say, um, how do you guys feel about? the reveals of everything. I love the, when they start to freeze the accounts. Uh, I got to love that sequence too. That's another one of my favorite sequences uh, between Mark and Eduardo. And I think the, the chemistry between them, it's like, you could really believe that they were best friends that started this company and got, got to be billionaires. You know, uh, I'm sure that's how it was between Zuckerberg and his real friend. It's like, wow, this thing is, way bigger than we ever thought. And now we kind of don't know what to do. And, um, it's just insane. It's insane that this is a true story. It makes for a great movie, but I would say very little of this is exaggerated. Do you know any, uh, yeah, I think it's like that, drummed up. No, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I think the dialogues, I mean, obviously drummed up, but, uh, I mean, I think the, Reading the book, in, at least, and in, in, in the book has a lot of email, and obviously the uh, the the blog entries at the beginning. The most sork, you know, Brian talked about the most sorkin up part. A lot of mm-hmm. those are verbatim from Zuckerberg's blog. It does. I'm not disputing you. It does feel really sorkin the way they're paced. But I mean, like I said, the great thing about this is these people are smart enough to. To right. say things like this, where it's like the Jurassic Park thing, where it's like, oh yeah, the mosquito is frozen and in mm-hmm. amber, mm-hmm. and, right. and then it has the dinosaur DNA. Cool, that's all I need. It's like, yeah, these are all Harvard people that invented Facebook. By the way, the biggest company that I know of, or top ten company I know of, and they all went to Harvard and they created this when they were twenty, and they got sixteen hundred on their SATs. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's all I need mm-hmm. to know. I'm going to believe right. all of this dialogue from here on out, even if it's not right. true. It feels true, right? Um, it's the perfect <laughs> MacGuffin for that. Whereas if people were speaking like Sorgan and they work, you know, at a, at a knitting <laughs> store, right. you're like, ah, oh, this right. doesn't feel real to me. Like, yeah. I don't know why they're doing this. Man, They seem wow. like the greatest legal <laughs> and business brains of their generation. And they're, yeah. they're, they're literally Man. spinning yarns. And metaphorically, I am, see what I, I am there? pumped for Sorkin's take on Hancock Fabrics. I just, I can't wait now. I'm so pumped. <laughs> yeah. Joanne. Yeah. Joanne V. Hancock. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm all for a sequel of this, well, there's, honestly. Nothing has really happened with Zuckerberg to make a good movie, right? I don't... I know. Yeah. The the best moment... Okay, like, I'm, I'm going to reveal something here. Like, I think Facebook is really troubling. The control they have... All of that. Um, I do empathize a little bit with Zuckerberg currently because we've never had anything like this before. He's trying to manage it. He's not doing a great job, but like, there's not like there's a rule book, right? If you, you're going to screw up, things are going to happen when you have a platform that large because nobody's ever right. done this before in the history of mankind. Basically. Right. And so I do empathize yeah. with him a little bit. And then when he was, he was way better than I, and again, I'm not like a sympathizer totally. Cause I think, you know, there's, they've done a lot of bad over the last few years, but when he was one of my biggest pet peeves, and I've, I've talked to Brian about this, I don't think anyone should be in Congress or Senate over the age of like 48. Sorry. 
We have age limits on the bottom end. We should have age limits on the top end. So anyway, all these olds are yelling at <laughs> super ages. You're welcome. All these olds are yelling at Zuckerberg and, it's, and they don't even know how to log into their email. And they're trying to, he's trying to explain Facebook to them. And then one of them tries to like truth bomb. And he's way more patient than I would be, by the way. And then he, they try to like truth bomb him with, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this with, yeah, I understand that, uh, you know, guys reading from like a three by five note card cause he doesn't have a computer. Um, I understand that there was Facebook was actually started from a ranking of the hotness of women at a at a college. <laughs> and Zuckerberg was like, "Yeah, that's actually not true." But if you're interested in that, there's a movie. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "I like him so much right now." I mean, he's probably horrible right, in democracy, right. but that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I oh love the goodness. scene at the beginning that that reminded me, Richard. I. It cracks me up that scene at the beginning, towards the beginning of the film, where he's in the the disciplinary committee meeting and just is, <laughs> just is savaging the IT guy who has is just so in over his head compared to these kids, and it just it just reminds me of like when I started college, and I'm not a tech savvy person really at, at all, but I had so many friends who were and and our poor everyone who was in charge of IT at our college in the middle of Arkansas just was so done compared to they had no chance compared to all these people that were on my dorm floor that were just so much better at internet stuff than they were than the actual IT people were and just every day just I imagine they went to work and be like, well, somebody figured out a way to get around the firewall for this and this new thing happened. And they're just like, are you freaking kidding me? Every day, every day, I'm just banging my head against this wall trying to figure this day ahead of these kids. And that, I don't know, that sequence always cracks me up where he's just like, well, you're an idiot compared to me and I'm 19. Well, sorry. You know, it's just, is so, I just feel like is so, reminds me so much of what, uh, that time period was like when the internet was still kind of in its infancy, at least in terms of mass usage, usage like that. Absolutely. This movie, did it win best editing? It did. In the yeah. Oscars? Screenplay, editing, and score. Okay, it should yeah. have. Right. <laughs> okay, good. This is definitely one of the best edited movies I've ever seen. It's it's. What incredible. about, compare it to it Bohemian all, Rhapsody, it, though. <laughs> I mean, does anything compare both, really both best editing that guy's award <laughs> right. is worth right. just as much as the behemoth Fact yeah that they both did win you're right they're worth exactly <laughs> the same amount um yeah this movie totally i felt a i mean i'm sure there can be research that i'm sure there has been research that's been done regarding the amount of just startups that happened after this movie and people that were like let's go make a app or a social network of our own and do that. Uh, I'm sure there's, it's had some kind of cultural influence, probably more than a lot of others in terms of companies, startups, things like that. Richard, can you attest to that since you're startup savvy? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say savvy, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, startup familiar. Yeah, sure. May, uh, yeah. I, th- I, I don't know if that would happen without the movie just as much. I really don't know. Or, or this movie had an in a big uh, impact on that. I can't speak to, but certainly the culture of, of that, um, it's a huge part of society. And I think this movie 
explains that really well. And it follows the story kind of a little farther than most, which I like about it. It's not just like idea. And then we all got rich. It's like idea. And then we kind of had to get this guy out who had a 30% stake. You know, that's way more realistic. And so it kind of follows the next step. Now there's more steps to find when you become an actual real company, which Facebook did in subsequent years. And then when it becomes a, again, a monolith of, of, of unknown power and, and resources. So I would love a movie on that. I, I, it's like, I, I think it'd be really interesting. I, I kind of would like, I'd like Zucker or pardon me, Eisenberg to come back as Zuckerberg. I don't know if I want Sorkin and, and obviously it'd be great to have Sorkin and Fincher back, but it's like, I don't want a, a true sequel. It'd kind of be cool if like two other great writer and directors did this, but but Eisenberg's so perfect. Louis he has Lettier, to come along. obviously, behind the camera. But who would, <laughs> who would script it? You know, that's the real question. And who would spin the camera? <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. I think a, a sequel to this with Eisenberg and you, the trailer is him sitting in Congress and all these cameras surrounding him with some Radiohead song <laughs> cover would be incredible. I mean, it, the internet would die. That. Karma police. I, I you got to do karma police. Karma, right? poli- karma police cover. Oh, a slow motion shot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it would be incredible. Um, let's make it happen. Come on, Sorkin. What do you got going on? Probably nothing. I think Fincher <laughs> is doing Mind Mindhunter season two. I think that's what he's been doing for the past few years. Yeah, no he hasn't movies. done a movie since Gone Girl. He was going to do this uh, this World War Z movie, uh, but they've it's never going to happen. Again, Stop. So. Stop trying to make that never happen. happen. Yeah, Sorkin has the uh, Chicago 7 trial movie that he's directing, right? Let me look that. He is, yeah, trial of Chicago I see, 7. now he has yeah. Gone Girl, Mindhunter, and and uh, World War Z2. When does that come it's out, Brian? World War Z2, or the... No, oh, trial of uh, Chicago 7. It would be, yeah, That's been going it on would for be 2021 at the earliest at this point. They just recently announced he was like, I think he was taking a break or something. There was some, some kind of production stoppage on that. So I would think it's got an interesting cast though. I mean, that's, and you're right, Richard, that's been circulating for a really long time, but, uh, Eddie Redmayne, Seth Rogen, that was supposedly, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's first movie right. after yeah. Borat. It's been out there for a Next long after Borat. time. So that's yeah. how long that's yeah. been in development. Yeah. Yeah. What I love, uh, also about the social network is that really kind of reiterating what I opened uh, this review with of that its biggest detriment is that it's about Facebook is that this movie really could be about any company, about any two friends. This just happens to be about uh, uh, a falling out of friends that was worth billions of dollars. And so that makes it much more impactful. And of course what they invented, we all use. So it makes it more personal for us. Right. Uh, But I mean, that's what's great about this is that it doesn't really focus on Facebook, the company, and how the company works. It really focuses on how and why the relationships of the friends fell apart and doesn't get into the technical side of, it would be cool if we added this feature to Facebook and this and this, and this is how it got big. And then, like these cheesy, like new sequences, like people are loving Facebook. <laughs> people are going crazy for the yeah. wall. You know, like all these montages yeah. and crap. Like that's what mm. I thought this was going to be. It's like people so, can't yeah. get enough of Facebook. Uh, but the way, just the approach to this mm-hmm. is what's so impressive and yeah. that's what makes it 
a, a cinema a cinematic experience instead of just like a documentary of like a mm-hmm, a fan mm-hmm. film about the yeah the founding you know what of another just in keeping with that can't I think it's really smart that they didn't start out with a big uh, a uh, the conference room scene that they started with him with Rooney Mara and then you kind of gradually move into the deposition stuff or the the mediations and that kind of thing instead of I think it would have been real easy to just start with probably 90 directors, screenwriter combinations start with uh, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg in a conference room with Rashida Jones and the law team and everything. And then she's like, how'd you get to this point? And he's like, well, let me tell you, you know, like, and then it, it breaks into it, it's, it's like 10 years earlier. When I was wearing my gap hoodie and it yeah. just starts over from there, you know, and instead, I mean, really genuinely before there before there is anything on screen you're getting sorkin dialogue just pumped into your ears and we're in this you know the bar setting and all that sort of stuff it's a it's a really smart it's a much much smarter call than you would get i think from the vast majority of of writer director combos like that yeah i think so too i was i was disappointed when fincher didn't end up doing the Steve Jobs movie and Danny Boyle uh took that over. I thought Danny Boyle did an admirable job with it. But um but yeah, there's definitely a Jobs version of the social network to be made. We're just lucky we never got to see that. <laughs> we got the we got the Steve Jobs movie mm-hmm. right away, right? With uh with Well, this. we got this Well, we got the yeah, we got the Sorkin Jobs movie. So uh, yeah. So if there was a movie uh about Something, and we know we're getting the, maybe getting the Theranos movie, so that's off the table. But if there was a movie to be made about something current, some tech, something, what would you want it to be about? If you had this combo making uh, it, I think Bitcoin oh, could be yeah. interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Fall of that. Um, I think Twitter. Joe Lowe is interesting, and I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh man, you know I'm always surprised there wasn't a really good. There was a good documentary. I don't, I'm surprised there wasn't ever a really good narrative mm-hmm. Enron movie. Yeah, those would be my three. I'd choose just off the top of my head. Well, what about you? Mine's bro? happening, and it's it's a little less tech, more than than creator. So kind of more like the Steve Jobs thing than than the tech. But the John McAfee insanity uh, that that uh, Keaton oh, is doing, yeah. I can't wait for that. I'm very pumped for that, and Theranos as well. I can't wait to see what uh what gets done with that as well but uh yeah i did read yeah, the theranos my, book, i think it was right? my weekly recommend last week the week before love it oh that's yeah, right you made it a week around yeah yeah, yeah. who's right. doing the movie yeah, i can't remember i know there's a documentary is there yeah yeah yeah. that's right mckay that's right. It's, mckay and it's one of mckay's gotcha. 15 projects so we'll see if he yeah. does but it, that john but... mcafee movie man i can't wait i think that's going to be bananas and and yeah. i think the casting on that is freaking perfect too i would love a an iPhone movie or iPod uh, just about because the process at Apple is just so secretive. I would love a narrative movie about the meetings. The whole thing about the iPhone will be so fascinating documentary or otherwise. I I would love to see that someday if, if it happens, but, um, but yeah, there's so much territory now. This kind of opened the door for these types of films and I'm surprised we didn't get 50 copycats. Honestly, yeah, yeah. But I think <laughs> you're totally right, Kent. But I, I think, I think this is just a movie that you, ha- at least for for filmmakers, 
I think filmmakers sit back and watch this and say, nope, I don't ever, I'm not touching that. Like somebody probably <laughs> yeah. was planning a MySpace yeah, movie totally. or a Twitter movie or a whatever movie. And then this came out and you're like, nope, you have to throw that away. Cause I don't want to be compared to that because it's, I mean, this is <laughs> such a filmmaker movie, you know? I mean, it's just, you do this, but you do the opposite and you do Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Comedy, I mean, that's right? seriously. It's basically yeah. that. Cause I just, did. I imagine there were a lot of, I imagine there were a lot of storyboards that got just tossed away because of this movie. You're just like, oh, I, I want nothing to do with that. I don't want, I don't want to be the, uh, the social network, t- uh, uh, tech movie that follows that, that film. Yeah. I don't want to be Mac and me <laughs> right. exactly. to their ET. Exactly. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, where does this rank well, to wrap this up before you have grades, where does this rank on your venture? list for me it's number one easily yeah it's my favorite finch yeah it's number but one i'm not a, i'm not like i said i'm not the biggest venture guy so that I, that's an easy one for me this is this is the this is the one that i uh kind of go back to at least in my in my mind of like what a what a brilliant usage of his skills um it's 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 un, unparalleled to me mm-hmm. is your number one I am, yeah it's my number one as well and i am a fincher guy so, uh, he's one of my favorites and, and this is optimal and he's got some great, obviously some great movies and mm-hmm. everyone's entitled mm-hmm. to their opinion. But to me, this one's like just really important and smart and just every aesthetic choice of it is pitch yeah. perfect. And it's, it's really, it's a master- I mean, this movie, it's a masterpiece. This movie yeah. rules. I mean, it really yeah. is. <laughs> I, that's the word that I, you know, I'll, I'll call a movie great or perfect or whatever, plenty of times throughout the course of this but the but that's the the word that i kind of hold back and i think this that's what this is i mean you, you can't I, I don't know how to i don't know that there's a single flaw in in this film there you go so i'm assuming you're gonna that, that stuff minus 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 did y'all talk about did y'all talk about the that, score i know i i mentioned it i know we we I, but that's not really my territory yeah Let's talk about it a little more incredible yeah, that movie. Yeah. I listen to it all the time. Still. That's like my go-to. Yeah, I'm doing some dishes and stuff around the house. I'll put it on the social network. It's cold mm. out. I want to feel cold. That'll do it. <laughs> wow. You know, I didn't know that was a feeling. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. It, you had, it has a digital quality to it, which you kind of need for this. I think... Uh, one of the better sequences is, of course, when he's making the actual Facebook. He's coding it, talking about coding it. And um, the music that I played at the intro of this uh, episode is kind of the um, the music that is playing during that sequence. But at the same time, um, I think nobody else could have kind of done it the way they did it. And at the same time, David Fincher to choose that that a duo to do it is a bold move that paid off huge dividends for everybody too. So hats off to everyone, but yeah, this probably ranks as my number one Fincher. I love Zodiac too, though. Um, it's definitely not a cultural as you know, big of a cultural phenomenon as this, this is. So this one, that's why it ranks uh, high, but, um, I've I've always been fascinated by the Zodiac story, so I have a soft spot for that one too. But um, but yeah, this one is uh, you just don't want to find you. It's an A for me. What about you guys? Or A plus for me? What yeah, A plus for me. One of the 
I mean, I have to look and really think about it, but I, off the top of my head, if you said, what is the best movie of the 2010s, I'd probably say this. Yeah, A, I mean, plus, 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 to Richard Barton, because I'm known for my positive <laughs> thoughts. Uh, yeah, no, there's no, there, there are movies as good as this. There's not mm-hmm. hardly any movies better than this. Oh, good. That should be your, uh, your little blurb. Um, the Social Network. A plus. That's my blurb. <laughs> All right. Let's he move on. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on and hit that uh, recommend. All right. Weekly recommend. Go ahead with your recommend, Brian. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie that's on Netflix. As we, you may know, Netflix is making movies these days. Um, seem to be news to my friend, good good friend Steven Spielberg. Um, seems pretty yeah, upset sadly. about. It. But yeah, Netflix is making. I know it's it's fine. He's old. You get, you get you get a couple of these corners once you get past a certain age. I think. Um, yeah, Netflix is. I think their deal this year is 90 original movies, something like that. Good grief! So twice a week pretty much you're gonna have a new movie on netflix that is a a netflix property or a, a joint netflix bit like uh like roma was uh but i watched one last week called paddleton with ray romano and mark duplis and it was uh very very uh, an easy watch and and quite delightful i'm enjoying the uh romano assance as it were that uh that we are in and it's just a little kind of mumblecore-ish type movie of two buddies, one of whom is diagnosed with terminal cancer and the other one is just kind of trying to walk him through that process. But it's 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 as light as that subject material could be and um, is handled with a lot of grace and, and uh, both of the performances are, are really uh, fun and interesting and, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would just reading the one line uh, summary of, of the plot, you know, that it, it's, it's, it's very well done. So uh, check that out. It's on Netflix. It's called Paddleton. Nice. The, the little bear is adorable. I have to say. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. Right. Very English. When he, when he breaks the bathtub, hilarious, hilarious. Um, go ahead, Arby. Yeah, mine is actually on brand. I don't know, or not on brand, on topic. Uh, we've got uh, a new book out from one of the people along the Facebook journey, kind of chronicling the last few years um, of Facebook, and it's not collapsed. It's doing fine, but sort of public uh, public uh, relations issues. It's called <laughs> appropriately Zucked. Um, uh, waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. It's by uh, Roger McNamee, who, like I said, a longtime Facebook employee, and it's uh, really interesting and kind of a spiritual sequel to The Accidental Billionaires, which I ha- also highly recommend, which is what this film we just reviewed was based on. But yeah, I thought I'd keep it themed. I actually just read this a few weeks ago, and it's it's very good. So highly recommend The Accidental Billionaires if you like this movie, and then for a little more detail and background, especially background on the on the characters. Uh, therein and then and then if you like that then then follow it up with a little zucked uh but kent what's your recommend yeah i'm gonna recommend a uh netflix original movie as well um steven soderbergh is still doing his iphone shooting shooting movies in two and a half weeks uh thing and it's been pretty interesting to follow his latest one is called high flying bird and it's about Mm -hmm. um the NBA lockout 
and agents and players trying to navigate that. So um, it's definitely got kind of a similar vibe as the social network in terms of business talk and dialogue and and things like that. But uh, yeah, really interesting approach that Soderbergh following up Unsane from last year doing this one and um, read an interview with him doing about doing this. And he said he would shoot, you know, during the day and then he would go home at, to his hotel and edit the footage that he shot that day. And like basically after he shot this last scene, like they watched the movie on the flight home <laughs> like that night. Uh, so it's been a really cool, like it's definitely low budget, uh, you know, fly by the seat of your pants filmmaking, but it's totally interesting. And um, if you have Netflix, you can check it out. High flying bird is the movie. Yeah. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Um, yeah. You saw it too, Brian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I will. That was one of my uh, talk sport movies oh, was a it? couple cool. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It was, it was uh, interesting and came together real nicely at the, had a little, uh, had a little bit of that, that Soderbergh charm to it at the end. Right. Like mm-hmm. it kind of had the, the oceans 11 out of sight sort of the basketball players all go look at a fountain after the AU tournament <laughs> right. or Sinatra players. Yeah. They make sense. Town is a loser town. <laughs> they're all like by the mirage and they're like toasting with cigars and by the mirage fountain. <laughs> Slow-mo. And it's like Elliot yeah. Gould. He's like, hey, he's a 12th man. He's a 12th man. <laughs> the, uh, I like how they intertwine the real interviews with the basketball players too. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian. Yeah, it was cool. That was a good, it was touch. cool. Mm-hmm. Really, really, I didn't realize too. I w- I uh, when I was on Talksport, they asked me if this was based on reality, and I said no, not really. It's really more just kind of uh, conceptually, you know, what might happen, you know, in his mind and stuff. And now the Ringer has done a two or maybe a three part piece on the ninety eight ninety nine. NBA lockout and there's a lot more in there that I had forgotten or didn't really remember because I was 15 when it when that happened but that uh, there's some real similarities between the actual events of of that lockout and high flying bird so it was, it's an interesting it's an interesting combination of those those two things yeah this movie had to have cost like at least 800 bucks to make so I mean he's probably slightly breaking right. even to right. keep doing yeah. these. Yeah. I wonder what, what his next one's going to be, but I'm excited at this. Like, I mean, he's semi-retired from making big, you know, from making studio mm-hmm. films. And, uh, he did, I think a Showtime show. And then he did Logan Lucky, which he funded himself and released himself and distributed mm-hmm. himself. And he said he hated how that turned it up out despite <laughs> it being a fun movie. It was just like, yeah, it didn't make much money and, and all that, you know, how much of a hassle that can be. And so he's like, screw this. I'm just doing it this way from now on. Um, I like it. I don't know if it's the long-term solution, but I think uh, for right now, it's an interesting an interesting choice for him. So yeah, High Flying Birds, my recommend. All right. Thank you, MamFam from everywhere for this VIP exclusive preview and for joining us. But if you like more throwback episodes, movies that haven't come out this year, maybe movies that are celebrating an anniversary or something of the like, Join our VIP club where we talk about a throwback movie every single week. On top of that, we got a lot more fun stuff coming at you guys. And an AMA, our March AMA, VIP AMA, is coming up in the next few weeks as well. So so uh, get ready for that. But if I wanted to find you and follow you, Brian, online, where would I do that? 
Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Uh, we have a VIP newsletter as well. So if you sign up for this here VIP show, you can uh, you can find some – you get an extra bonus newsletter as well. I promise I'll, I'll write at least one article this year in one of sure. the newsletters. I love it. That's my love promise. It. One article. Yeah. Fulfill I that. love it. I love it. We've got some cool – I've got some cool stuff planned. Richard and Kent both that yeah, uh, we can we can kind of uh, uh, get everybody's input on. So, Ooh. Richard, where can we find you, man? You can find me. This is important, guys. You can find. Uh, I can't stress this enough. There are things going on in the world, but I think this is probably the most important. You can find me on social media at Richard Barton, but on Twitter especially, guys. I'm three shy of a thousand follows. <laughs> and these two idiots have had a thousand for years and I, you know, I don't tweet that much and, you know, I don't pay for bots like Brian. And so I, <laughs> I'm three shy of a thousand. So follow me on Twitter. I'll get over the grand mark. It's a huge accomplishment for me. And then I'll maybe tweet more less about weird <laughs> articles and stuff and uh, all that. But you can follow me on all the social media at Richard Barden. That's B-A-R-D-O-N and at the Mad About Movies podcast, Mad About Movies podcast newsletter and all that stuff. Uh, Kent, where can I find you? Yeah, Kent Garrison online and on Twitter and on Instagram. And also find us madaboutmoviespodcast.com. I just noticed this week that only our most recent 300 episodes are on iTunes. Believe it or not, we have more than that. So if there's a movie huh. that's maybe older than that that you want to check out, they are on the website. Wow. We have a search function on the website. Just search for the movie, and uh, hopefully we have an episode that you're looking for. But I just noticed that it only goes back as far as Jupiter ascending. So, Oh, well, we so got to stop place to so leave on <laughs> yeah. iTunes. Good. Awesome. After this episode goes up, that'll be gone. So yeah, that'll, it'll be uh, <laughs> Kingsman Secret Service. That's weird. Yeah. Hmm. It's only in the past... Four years of episodes, which only last four years. Holy! Cr- <laughs> I I want to I want to meet the person that's listening to our um rants and raves HBO's the Jinx episode in 2019. <laughs> we we get person. those though. That's what's Amazing. crazy. We I mean yeah. almost on a weekly basis we get an email from somebody who's like, "Hey guys, love the show. I've been catching up <laughs> on 500 episodes of this podcast. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot it's pretty- of commitment." Wow. Complete skill, really crapping on people. That would he would be the exact same way. So don't yeah. let them, guys. Yeah. You guys are all right. beautiful sunflowers. <laughs> I love you. I love the spreadsheet, ma'am, fam out there that send us. Oh, me too. Here's yeah. the everybody's grades. Here's what Kent was most likely to grade stuff as and things. I like that. So yeah. if you have any I like spreadsheets, that people are betting on us. That's that's what I'm hoping for. We're, yeah. We've got Vegas odds on our... Yeah, on by our, the way, uh, I can be influenced. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> you know. right, right. Exactly. They call All me right. Donnie. Movie reviews. All right, we're getting out of here. Stay tuned, VIPs, for Harry Potter talk. And next week, we're returning for Captain Marvel talk in the Woo. main feed. So stay tuned and get excited for that. Until next time, we'll see you in the VIP. Goodbye. Bye.